Trans-Siberian who? Man, they got nothing on our guys. Man, that was awesome. We haven't had that in a couple years, and when I heard they were doing it, I was like, oh, I got to get front row. I'm gonna, I recorded that. That's going to get posted. Thank you guys so much. That takes a lot of work to work on that and practice and sacrifice, so we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Merry Christmas! Christmas week. We want to welcome everybody here to Gateway Baptist Church. For those watching online and those in the gym, we're so grateful you're able to be with us this morning. I know everybody's in the Christmas week mode of traveling and getting ready for a fun week with family and friends. Just have a few announcements I want to make you aware of. Uh, very excited about this uh, Thursday evening. At 5 o'clock, we're going to have our Christmas Eve service, uh, Carol's Communion and Candlelight. It's just a real sweet, special time to come together to just acknowledge Advent and the Incarnation, to worship the Lord, and to come together for communion. Uh, we had a special night planned of worship and carols, so uh, we just uh, ask you to, if it's part of your family tradition, I know as ours, we'd love for you to be a part of that. I know some have to travel and won't be here, but all the details are on the blog at gatewaybaptist.com. A couple of little scheduling notes. Over the next two Sundays, there will be no Sunday school um, Bible studies on the Sunday mornings, and the Wednesday nights are off as well till the new year. So the next time we will meet on Sunday morning for Sunday school Bible study is January 10th, and the next Wednesday night gathering for the teenagers and Bible studies will be January 6th, and we'll make you aware of some of the new beginnings of the Bible studies and stuff in the next couple of weeks. So nothing the next two weeks. Uh, last little thing to mention, um, Grady wanted us to remind you guys, if you have a lot last-minute gift, gift ideas, we've got a great resource center um, stocked with some amazing books for kids and books on knowing God and studying scripture and books on life issues of parenting, marriage, and so forth. So we just wanted to remind you guys that's in the hall if you want to take a peek to be able to uh, enjoy those or get those for some friends. Um, if you'd like to please stand, and uh, let's open up with some scripture. And to worship our Lord this morning as Jesus is our joy. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was in the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's worship our joy this morning. Joy of every longing heart. 
Joseph lift your hand while our hearts in love we Glory in the 
together in one name today and that's the name of Jesus Christ King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Lord we gather together today to sing of your glorious grace poured out and seen most clearly on the cross Lord we stand in your grace today and we are a grateful people I want to read out of Romans. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. To those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he called, or whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are here today to celebrate this truth. And I pray today that this causes hope to rise up in your heart today as you hear this truth from God's word, God's word read. And Lord, we thank you that you invite us into your presence, Lord, because of Christ, Lord, to bring our petitions, Lord, as we also bring our praise and our worship to you. And Lord, we pray even as we walk through this time of year, Lord, that we would talk about Christmas. We would talk about, Lord, the miracle of what you've done in the gospel, Lord, which began in Bethlehem. Lord, thank you for opportunity to gather with family. And I pray that, Lord, in those gatherings, you'd be glorified in our conversations. Lord, we could show the love of Christ to whomever we gather with. Lord, we also pray for our brother Rick Steen and the loss of his mother. And Lord, just pray for your mercy on him, his heart, Lord, as he mourns and he grieves. But I thank you that he doesn't grieve as one who doesn't have hope. And thank you that his mom is in your very presence now. Lord, we pray for Donna McAuliffe as she leads the Love Loud Montgomery, a ministry of the Montgomery Baptist Association. Lord, reaching out to, Lord, the needy in our community. Lord, with the food pantry. Lord, would you just bless that ministry, Lord? Lord, would you open up our hearts, Lord, to serve and to give to those around us, Lord, as you've called us to that very thing. Lord, we do pray for the Unreached People Group, the Bashkardi of Iran. Lord, we just pray that you, Lord, would embolden Christians in Iran, Lord, in a place where, Lord, it's illegal really to, uh, to share the gospel, Lord, to promote Christ. We just pray, Lord, that they would be filled with your love and your grace as they reach out to their, those around them. Lord, we thank you for your provision for our church, Lord, for this local body as we gather in your name. And Lord, we just pray you'd continue to, to put on our hearts to give regularly. Lord, to support the work of ministry, the work of your kingdom here. And Lord, we just pray even uh, for Grady this morning as he comes and shares your word. Lord, thank you for him as a teacher that you've given to us, Lord. Lord, each week to share your word with us. I pray we would be spirit-filled listeners today. Lord, that our hearts would be ready to receive your truth, Lord, and, and so walk in them. Lord, we are so blessed to be able to gather together today. And we just say it again. We gather together in the name of the one whose name is above every name. And that one day, at his name, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And it's in that strong name we pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, Gateway family. It is great to see you this morning. Can we get the lights up a little bit? One of you guys up there is a little bit more shadowy and darker around the room. We want to be able to see your faces better. There we go. It's good to see you guys this morning. I hope you're excited about Christmas week and the celebrations and the time with family and friends. And if you're in town, I hope CJ mentioned you'll come and join us for candlelight. It's a special time as we celebrate together as a church body the birth of our Lord and Savior. As we think about Christmas, several words come to our mind. Words like hope and joy and peace and love. If you're like me, you probably have those words on your Christmas tree somewhere. 
or you see them spelled out in lights in someone's yard, or you see them hanging as flags on a flagpole somewhere, or hanging on someone's mailbox. There may even be words that you have framed and you keep hanging over your sofa all year long. Hope and joy and peace and love. Friends, those are words of great significance for us this time of year. Those are the words of Advent. Advent is just a word that means coming, that means the arrival. It's a special time of the year when Christians focus on the coming of Christ, the arrival of Christ, of God in human flesh, and we celebrate how His coming has changed us, how His coming gives us hope and joy and peace and love. And last week, CJ did a fantastic job of pointing us to the hope of the Incarnation, the hope of knowing Christ, and the hope we find as we celebrate this season. Today we turn our attention to the theme of joy, how the birth of Christ brings us joy. Now when we talk about joy, first of all, what are we talking about? What is joy? Well, dictionaries have a hard time defining joy. It's a lot harder to define than happiness is. Different, different, different dictionaries try to define it this way. Joy is great delight, or it's keen pleasure, or it's elation, or a glad feeling. You can see there's a struggle to try to describe this emotion, this feeling deep Within us. The definition I found over the years I like the best of joy is simply this it is the experience deep within us of great delight. The experience deep within us of great delight. Unlike happiness, which is so circumstantial and can be so surface level, joy is an experience we have deep within us in our soul, in our inner person, something that's far beyond surface level happiness. That raises the question for us what brings us joy? What is it that gives us that deep experience in our heart and our soul of great delight? Is it time with people we love? Is it accomplishing something you've been hoping to accomplish? Is it receiving some gift you've been longing for? Is it something with Christmas and the memories you have this time of year of the celebrations, the decorations? What is it that gives you joy? And friends, for any of those things I just mentioned, those are good things to thank God for. We saw in our study of James that every good and perfect gift is from above. So if we have things to rejoice in, we need to give thanks to God for those. They are His grace gifts to us. But Christmas takes us further than those things. It takes us to a joy that far exceeds anything I've just mentioned. It takes us to a joy that is not dependent upon our circumstances or things going right at Christmas or anything that's circumstantial. It takes us to something much, much deeper than those things. So don't you find Luke chapter 2 this morning in your copy of God's Word? Luke chapter 2. This is a very familiar Christmas text. This is the text in Scripture with the most detail about the birth of Christ. We're going to spend this week and next week as well in Luke chapter 2 as we look at different aspects of the Christmas story and how it changes us. But this is a text that we all know well, and because we know it so well often, I fear sometimes, friends, that we miss the wonder of this text. We miss the amazement that we should feel when we study these words. We can easily miss the theological depth of what is being proclaimed here, and we can miss the gospel message that is so clearly laid out for us in the pages of Luke chapter 2. So as we read part of Luke chapter 2 this morning, I want you to try to imagine the scene. This is history that we're reading here. There's different genres of scripture. This is a type of scripture that we call historical narrative. It's telling us history. It's telling us what actually happened, and we want to look at it as such. And so we want to imagine the scene that we're seeing here of what happened in history. But we also want to ponder how this historical truth points us to the greatest joy that is possible. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 4 to 12 this morning. I can ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We'll have the words on the screen for you. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all the people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, we're so thankful for your love for us, even as what we see laid out in this account of the Christmas story. God, I pray this morning as we read it, that you would read, just restore in our hearts the wonder of what we're reading. That we would capture the amazement of God with us, of Emmanuel, God with us, of God being born in human flesh. And Lord, would you show us how that brings us joy? Lord, this has been a hard year for so many people. And I pray this morning you would rekindle in our hearts the joy we can find that's not based on our circumstances, but based in knowing you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. And you may be seated. So here's the simple truth I want us to get from this text this morning. It's simply this, friends. Knowing Jesus gives us the greatest joy possible. Knowing Jesus gives us the greatest joy possible. There's so many things that we look to to try to find joy that experience deep within us of great delight. But friends, the one thing that can give us the greatest joy, the greatest delight, the greatest satisfaction is nothing else than knowing Christ, knowing Him personally, being in a relationship with Him, being known by Him, and knowing Him. And that can give us a joy that's far deeper than any earthly joy and far more lasting than anything else we can experience on this earth. Knowing Jesus gives us the greatest joy possible. Let's kind of unpack that and think about that this morning. First of all, friends, this, everything about Christmas is about knowing Christ. It's all about Jesus. This is the reason we celebrate. That's why we paused our study of James. That's why we're singing different songs these several weeks. That's why we've decorated the sanctuary and decorated your houses. That's why we get together. That's why we celebrate, because it's all about celebrating the birth of Christ. It's all summed up for us here in verse number 11. Look back at Luke 2, 11 here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Friends, this is a season for us to remember and reflect that God chose to step into his creation. The sovereign Lord over all things, the creator himself, the great I am, the all-glorious one, humbled himself and became a man. Born supernaturally to a virgin, not born in a nice palace or a glorious place, but born in a stable around animals. And this message that we proclaim and we remember and reflect on in Christmas, look at how the angel summarizes it back in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, notice this, good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is a news of great joy. The great joy of the news that God has come to save us, that God has come so that we can know him. Now notice this phrase, great joy. This is an important phrase and one I think we miss because we're so familiar with the story. When you look at Scripture, you see the word joy all throughout Scripture. In fact, you find the word joy more than 170 times in Scripture. If you add the words like rejoice and rejoicing, you can double that. So hundreds of times in Scripture, we're ta- we, it talks about joy and rejoicing and finding joy. All of Scripture is a call for us to rejoice in God, to find our joy in God. But there's something different here because it's not just joy. It's, it's how much joy? What's that word before joy? Great joy. Now, if you talk about great joy in Scripture, there's less than 10 places in all of Scripture that it describes something as having great joy. This is something that stands out to us here. 
In the Old Testament, the handful of places you see great joy were always the handful of places you see reserved for huge milestones in the life of God's people. So when Solomon was made king, it was a cause for great joy for the people. When the temple was rebuilt, it was a cause of great joy for God's people. When the Passover was able to be celebrated again, it was a time of great joy for God's people. When the city walls that had been ruined were rebuilt in the time of Nehemiah, it was a cause for great joy. So when you see in the Old Testament great joy, it is something monumental. It is something significant. It is something life-altering in a good way that brings a deeper level of joy to God's people. The same is true in the New Testament. The handful of times you see great joy is only appears when Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples found great joy. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, the disciples found great joy. When the, the early church realized that the Gentiles, that would be us, could be included in the gospel, there was great joy. And then in the birth of Christ here, and then when the wise men come, it's described as having great joy. So anytime in Scripture you see the phrase great joy, it is a cause for us to pause and see something absolutely amazing that God has done for the good of his people, that he is giving us something of great significance, great joy, the greatest joy possible. So friends, how does the celebration of Christmas point us to the greatest joy? How does reflecting on the birth of Christ bring us great joy? I want to give us six ways this morning that I believe this truth we've just read from Luke 2 points us to the greatest joy possible, something that is, regardless of how hard 2020 has been for us, the truth of Christmas, how it can bring to you and me, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the challenges we face, how this truth brings us great joy that Christ has come. So six things, I believe, that give us great joy to think about. Number one, Christmas reminds us that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. That Christmas reminds us that God has taken the initiative. God has chosen to reveal himself to us. There is deep joy in knowing that the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords has taken an interest in us and shown himself to us. Notice the initiative of God in this text. Go back to verse 8, the account of the shepherds here. <clears throat> verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Here are a group of shepherds minding their own business, doing what they normally do. Well, something important to realize to help us get the wonder of all this, the shepherds were a group of people not allowed to go into the temple. These were a group of people who could not pursue God, who could not even go into the temple to pursue God. They were considered ceremonially unclean at the time because of their dirty work of taking care of the dirty sheep. They were also had the reputation of being incredibly dishonest. So you have a group of people shunned by society because they were dishonest and who were not allowed in the temple to worship because they were considered unclean. And God took the initiative to go after a group and give the first announcement of the birth of Christ to a people who were shunned from being, be, even being allowed in the temple to worship him. God chose to reveal himself to them. And notice how he does it, not just with an angel, but look at what he does in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, Again, don't miss the wonder what follows here. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. That yes, God sent an angel to tell the news to the shepherd, but he did even more than that. He let his glory be seen. Glory being the brilliance of surrounding the presence of God. When we talk about the glory of God, it's the brilliance, the brightness that comes when God's presence is there. God chose to reveal a glimpse of his glory to these shepherds who could not even go into the temple to show them how great he is. He took the initiative to do that. And he continues to do that today. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for how many of the people? 
all the people. That God's message and his plan is to reveal himself to people from all around the world and all different groups of people, not just for the Jewish people, not just for people in America, it's for people of all different backgrounds. This is a message of God revealing himself to every ethnic group in the world. That is why, friends, we pray week by week in our prayer time before the sermon for different unreached people groups because God is still in the business of making himself known around the world. He invites us into that process of being used by him to make him known to the unreached people of the world. And friends, there's such hope in this for us that we do not have to be wealthy or popular or influential or a mover or shaker for God to reveal himself to us. We don't have to be cool or the in crowd or be wealthy or any of these things that God takes the initiative to show himself to ordinary people like shepherds and ordinary people like you and me. Friends, if we are in Christ, we are the recipients of his undeserved kindness, just like the shepherds were. That he saw us dirty in our sins. That God saw us not pursuing him, not interested in him, and God revealed himself to us. He used his word, he used someone explaining his word to open our eyes to his glory and his beauty and to turn our hearts to the things of him. He loved us enough to not stay distant, but to show himself to us and pursue us. And friends, regardless of what's happened this year, that is cause for great joy, for a deep sense of excitement in our hearts that God and his love for us has looked upon unworthy people like you and me and shown himself to us. But Christmas reminds us of something else, of how we can find deep joy. The second thing is that God has chosen to forgive us of our sins. God has chosen to forgive us of all of our many, many sins. Not just a few, but all of them. If we'd only stopped with God revealing himself, that'd be pretty scary. Anytime you see in Scripture the revelation of God is accompanied by fear. So that's why when the, the angel shows up, the first thing the angel says is like, Hey, this is cool, isn't it? And the angel begins with, Fear not. Because there's a sense of terror when you encounter the holiness of God and you see God's glory. It brings people to the realization of their own sin, of their own unworthiness, of the greatness of God. And it is absolutely terrifying. And so God doesn't stop there. He not only chooses to reveal himself to us, he chooses to forgive us of all of our sins. We see that in the pronouncement of the angel here. Look at verse 11 here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, notice this next word, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That God has come, that Jesus has come to save us from our sins, to rescue us from our sins. Now, this is not the first place we see this in Scripture. If you go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when the angel is speaking to Joseph about what's to come, he tells Joseph, she, Mary, will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. And notice the certainty of this. For he will save his people from their sins. That Christ came to do what we could not do. We have all offended a holy God. The holy God who, when he appears in his glory, causes people to fall on their face in fear and terror. We have offended him. We have sinned against him day by day by day, and many times day by day by day. We have a massive debt that we owe to this holy God who is the creator of all because we continue to break his standards. It's a debt that is so big we can never repay. Hence, it takes eternity in hell, and that doesn't even begin to pay the debt that we owe the holy God for our offense against him. But Christ came to save us from that. Christ came to pay the debt. He came to fulfill the law of God perfectly, the law that you and I break every day. Christ came to fulfill. He lived his life and never once broke any law of God. And he did that so he could go to the cross as an innocent victim and take the place we deserve, to take the wrath you and I deserve for our sins and to then make us righteous in God's eyes. So God loves us so much. We see in the Christmas story not just to show himself to us and leave us trembling in fear knowing judgment is coming, 
but he loves us enough to show himself to us and then to also pronounce that if we believe in him, he will forgive us of every offense we have committed, are committing, and will commit. He's done that for what we cannot do on our own. He has done for us. And friends, regardless of what has happened this last week or this year, we can find great joy, that deep delight in our inner person, knowing that God has not only pursued us and shown himself to us, but he has forgiven us. The Christmas story reminds us something else as well. Number three, that God has given us his presence. Not the presence like under the tree, his presence being with us. I know that sounds the same, but the message of Christmas is that God has given us his presence, his nearness with us. Still in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, look at this verse and the verses that follow. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, now say, what does it mean? God with us. That God is with us. The story of Christmas is not that God is distant, but that God is here and he is with us now that he has given us his presence. Because that's what the shepherds are invited to do. The angel doesn't appear and say, look at the wonder of what has happened here and just trust me, this is true. Now go back to your business, take care of those sheep. The shepherd says, now go. Here's how you'll find him. We find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The, the angel invites the shepherds to go on a journey to see Christ and be in the presence of Christ himself. And that is the invitation God continues to give to his people to abide with him and to be in his presence. Because if you remember from about a year ago when we were studying the psalm, Psalm 73 is one of my favorite of all the psalms. And Psalm 73 verse 23 tells us this. The psalmist Asaph says, nevertheless, I am, what's the next word? continually with you, that God is offering to us, his people, his continual presence, that there is never a moment that we will not have the presence of God with us, that there is never a place you and I can go that the presence of God is not right there. There's never a situation that you and I will face that the presence of God is not right there with us. He gives us continual presence to be with his people, to all those who are forgiven. He gives us the ability to abide with him. And that, friends, is a cause for deep, lasting joy. And the Christmas story reminds us that we can find deep joy regardless of our circumstances because God has taken the initiative to reveal himself to us. That God has forgiven us of every offense we've committed and every offense we will commit, and because he's given us his very presence with whatever we walk through. But it gets even more amazing than that. Christmas reminds us, number four, that God has chosen to reveal his will to us. That God has chosen to reveal his will to us. Go back to verse 11, the pronouncement of the angel. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Notice this last word, the Lord. Now there's so much in this term, we feel like I need a whole sermon for this term on just what does it mean that Christ is the Lord. Yes, he is a sovereign Lord of history, but when we talk about Christ being Lord, there's a very personal part of this, that Christ came to be my Lord and came to be your Lord, that he came to be our master, our boss, the one we submit ourselves to, the one we align our wills to. And so in his amazing love for us, he doesn't just rescue us from our sins and be like, go on your way and try to figure this thing out called life. He shows his will to us. He put it and told us in his word how to pursue him, how to know him. He's told us how to walk with him and how to live for him and how to make him known. Friends, God in his infinite love has freed us from having to wonder what is right and what is wrong. 
He has freed us from having to wonder what our priorities are supposed to be. He's freed us from having to wonder what our purpose and mission in life is supposed to be. He has put it in black and white and writing right before us. And His great love for us has made clear to us what it looks like for Him to be our Lord, our Master, and our Boss. And friends, that can be a cause for deep, lasting joy for us. With all the uncertainties of a pandemic in the world around us, that God has made very clear, this is who I am, and this is who I want you to be. That this is who I am, and this is how you walk with me. This is who I am, and this is how knowing me looks like. He's revealed himself to us. He's forgiven us. He is with us, and he's made it very clear what his will is for us. But there's another one I want to make sure we see from the Christmas story as well that gives us great joy. That is number five, that he redeems our sufferings and hardships. He redeems our sufferings and hardships. Friends, when we talk about joy, one of the big differences in joy and happiness is joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon life going the way we dreamed or we want it to go. Happiness often is, but joy is not. Joy is it deeper than that. So when we talk about having joy, that does not mean we're going to have an easy life. Having joy doesn't mean we're not going to have tears and pain and hardship. And again, the reality is we come to the end of 2020 as we look back and there's all these jokes about how hard this year has been and we're ready for 2021 to be here. Friends, this has been a hard year. There's many of you who've lost loved ones this year, who dealt with the pain of broken relationship, who've struggled financially, who've dealt with sicknesses and dealt with the unknowns of the pandemic. And God's never promised he's going to take us out of those hardships and sufferings. You've heard me say it many times, friends, but one of the great lies of the American church is that God wants us to get from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, most comfortable way possible. And there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that's God's will for us. He's never promised us that, but he's promised us something so much better than that, and that is he will bring good out of hardships. He'll bring good out of the suffering and the pain we endure in this life. And that's reminded in this Christmas account as well. Look back at verse number 7 here. And as you look back, think for a minute here. Did Mary love God? Yeah. Did Joseph love God? Yeah. But look at what happens to this couple that loves God. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You have a couple here that loves God, that have been set apart by God to bring the Messiah into the world and to raise Christ as earthly parents. But he didn't give them an easy path. This was hard for Mary. This was hard for Joseph. There was the difficulty of the journey to Bethlehem. There were many people who misunderstood Mary and wondered how she could be pregnant outside of wedlock. And yet God did not take them out of the hardship. Rather, he redeemed the hardship and he brought good to them. He brought good to us because of what he did through this. He brought good to the world and he brought glory to his name. Not by removing their hardship, but by redeeming it. By being with them through it and bringing good out of it. Isn't that what we've been seeing in James? James chapter 1, verse 2. Think back to the beginning of James that we looked at almost a year ago when we started this back in January. Count it all what? What's the next word? Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. There is joy and trial side by side in the Word of God. This experience deep within us of great delight, we're to count it all an experience of great delight deep in our hearts when, not if, you meet trials of various kinds. How can that be? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect so you can be mature and complete, or perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That God doesn't remove us from the hardships, but God redeems the hardships to bring good out of it. And that's what Jesus himself said just a few chapters later in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. You see the same thing, this connection of joy and suffering, and joy and hardships. Jesus himself said, blessed are you when people hate you, And when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. 
What are we supposed to do when people do hard stuff to us? What's the next word? Rejoice. rejoice. There it is again. We're to rejoice in that day. And we are to leap for what? Joy. There it is again. Here we're talking about joy and suffering, joy and hardships, joy and being misunderstood and falsely accused and all those things that Jesus has said. We're to rejoice and we're to leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. That God in his sovereignty takes even the hardships and the sufferings of this life and he redeems them and brings such good out of them that we can find joy even in the hard days, knowing that God is going to use those hardships to grow us, to sanctify us, to show us more of himself, to give us opportunities to make him known, to work through us for things beyond what we can even imagine. And so even the Christmas account of the hardships that Mary and Joseph have faced remind us that God redeems suffering for good, and that gives us deep, lasting joy regardless of our circumstances. The one final reason that I want us to see of how this truth of Christ with us gives us joy, and this kind of summarizes, I believe, all of them. This is amazing truth. Number six, God rejoices over us. That God rejoices over us. This is an incredible verse. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, friends. This verse is incredible. And it says, the Lord your God is where? And your what? There it is, the presence of God, that God is with us, his people, always. He's in our midst, a mighty one who will do what? He's going to save. So here's the one who's our Savior, who is in our midst. Notice this, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Friends, if you are in Christ, God not only has saved you, God not only has revealed himself to you and saved you and given you his presence and is working the, even the trials you're, endure, you're enduring for good, he in the midst of doing all this is rejoicing over you. He's doing all this with gladness. Friends, if you think about what Christ has done, he doesn't do any of this begrudgingly. He's not in heaven being like, man, that person was a pill to have to go die for. Or that person, man, if I only knew what they were going to do to say about me in 2020, I would never know. He's not begrudgingly pouring out his love on us. He is doing this with great joy. That God himself is a God who has joy because that's part of his nature. And he rejoices over his people. He delights in revealing himself to us. He delights in forgiving us our sins. He delights in being with us. He delights in revealing his will to us. He delights in bringing good out of the hardships. So friends, we can rejoice because our God rejoices too. We can rejoice knowing that he rejoices over us and doing all these things for us. So friends, the Christmas story, this historical account points us back to knowing Jesus, to remembering and reflecting on the fact that God has taken the initiative to pursue us, He's taking the initiative to forgive us, to draw near to us, to walk with us, to show us a path to go, and to bring good out of the hardships. And he wants us to have a deep relationship with him where we rejoice in knowing him, and he rejoices over us. Friends, knowing Jesus gives us the greatest joy possible. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all people. Friend, he was born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Friends, if you think about Christmas this week and the Christmas celebration you've already had and will have, I just have one simple question for us this morning. Do we have a deep joy like that? Are we experiencing a deep joy, that, that deep excitement, deep in our heart and soul that's not based on our circumstances, but a deep joy knowing that God has shown himself to us? that God has forgiven us, that God is with us, that God is directing us, that God is bringing good in the midst of hardships. Do we have joy today knowing in what Christ has done? Friends, if not, what better time of year than to cry out to him? Say, Lord, I don't know you personally. I'm not rejoicing in you, and I don't experience you rejoicing in me. Please show yourself 
to me. Friends, if we do have that joy, I think a good prayer to pray at Christmas is, Lord, would you grow it? Because none of us have arrived. None of us have the depth of joy we can have in abiding in him. None of us have arrived at the depth of joy we can have in understanding he rejoices over us. None of us have arrived in fully knowing who God is. And so if you have joy in Christ this Christmas season, let's pray and ask God to keep growing it because he delights in growing the joy we have in him. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for this Christmas season. We're so thankful for the joy that we find in it, the hope we find in it, the peace we find in it knowing that you've done what we could never, ever do. You've looked upon us in our sin and our filth and our unworthiness. You've looked upon us with our backs turned to you, not caring about you. And you have stirred our hearts and pointed our hearts towards you. You've shown yourself to us. Lord, we thank you for the sweetness of the forgiveness we have in Christ. We thank you for the sweetness that there is of knowing you. And Lord, I pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters that this Christmas season, Lord, that you will guard us from just going through the motions and doing things because we always do them that way. As we reflect in these next several days, as we read the accounts of the Christmas story in Scripture, as we sing the Christmas carols, as we see the lights, and we even see these words of Advent and different things, God, that you would cause us to pause and reflect and just to rejoice at what you've done for us. That we will really ponder the mystery and the wonder that, God, you stepped down from all the glory in heaven and were born a babe and put in a manger in that little town of Bethlehem that you humbled yourself and you became obedient, Lord Jesus, to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You did all this because you wanted to show your glory as you redeemed wretched sinners like us. Lord, restore to us the wonder of our salvation. Lord, restore to us the wonder of this Christmas season. And let our hearts just overflow in awe and worship to you of how great and glorious you are. You are. Lord, I pray if there's anyone watching online or here on campus who does not have joy in you. They don't understand what it means for their creator to rejoice over them. They don't have this deep joy that's not dependent upon circumstances. I pray that today they would cry out to you and you would rescue them and save them. Lord Jesus, that's what you came to do. Lord, for these precious brothers and sisters who I know so well, who I see the joy in them and I see the joy of them walking with you. God, would you grow their joy this Christmas season and this new year ahead. But God, you would take us to new depths in studying your word and new depths of prayer, new depths of abiding with you and new depths of just finding the joy of having an intimate relationship with our creator. Would you stir our hearts to want more of you? Lord, we've tasted and seen that you are good. Grow our appetite for even more of you and finding more joy in you this new year. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song about what Christ has done for us?
on Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His covenant, His blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and say. shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on christ's solid rock i stand all other ground is seeking sand all other ground is seeking sand and on Christ's solid rock I stand all other ground is seeking sand all other ground is seeking sand All our hope is in Him. All our strength is in Him.
Thank you as we look today just at that joy, God, that comes in knowing you, God, and that joy, God, that is found only in you, Father. God, so many times we think that our lives should be just some easy breezy life whenever we become a Christian, God. That our end goal is now we've arrived, we've made a decision, Lord, and now it should just be a breeze from here on out, God. But that, as Grady said, it was never promised in your word, God. In fact, if that's the way it is, it's probably the opposite in our lives, and we haven't really found you, God. Because your word says that as a believer, we will be persecuted, God, for your name's sake, God. So, God, if we're not being persecuted, if we're not having a hard time, Lord, then what is the problem? God, if we have fallen away, God, from our true love, God, and have become lukewarm, God, I pray that you will convict us through your Holy Spirit, God, and that you will break us, God, and bring us back to you, Father. That you will redeem that joy in our hearts, God. That you will bring back that joy in our life that is your Son, Father. God, thank you that you are a solid rock, God. You are a foundation, God, on which we can stand, God. That when those trials come, when those winds come, when that persecution comes, God, we don't lose hope, we don't lose joy, we don't lose heart, God, because our joy is not found in the things of this world, God. Our joy is found in you, and our joy is found in you alone, God. So when those struggles come, God, we can sing with praise, God. We can sing with confidence, God, that all our hope is in you, God, and all our strength is in you. And it's found in you alone. God, thank you for loving us enough, God, to come into this world, God, and live the life that we shouldn't. You didn't have to, God, but you did. And we're obedient. God, thank you for that, God, and making a way for us to have a way back to you, God, to be redeemed, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Thank you.